Hey folks, it's me, Ben Blacker. Um, here we are in October. It's getting spooky. Our guest today is Lindsay Anderson Beer, who is the writer and uh, director of the new Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. Um, Lindsay's had a really interesting career, having written on a bunch of different kinds of features over the years. Um, you know, we'll we'll talk about all of that from her time in the Transformers uh, room to the stuff that she wrote to sort of break through that, that got her some attention. Um, all of that coming up. Before that, um, I'm down to my last two spots in my upcoming script anatomy class. This is the TV draft intensive that starts on October 22nd. Uh, it's held three sessions on Sunday mornings. Uh, we'll take you from outline to a first draft of a script. Um, and it's going to be a good draft. You're going to be happy about it. So I've got like two slots left in this class. If you have an outline or even, you know, a rough draft and you want to start making it better, um, go to scriptanatomy.com, click on the calendar and uh, find the TV draft intensive. It starts October 22nd. It's a really good class. Um, a smaller class where, you know, we really dig in and get notes from all of your classmates. And from me, you get hard deadlines to turn out that draft uh, first half, then second half. So you end the class with a pretty solid draft of a script. Um, once again, go over to scriptanatomy.com and click on the class calendar. Uh, again, only two slots left in that class. So please come join. It would be fun. Um, you can also find the link for that over on the Substack, which is benblacker.substack.com. We've got a Q&A coming up this week, a live Zoom Q&A in which you ask the cues. Uh, with my friend Jenny Klein, who I met way back on Supernatural. She was the writer's assistant and was so good at it. And it's no surprise that she is an incredible writer. She's worked on, most recently, The Witcher and Daisy Jones and the Six. Um, she's worked on a bunch of really cool shows that are very much in line with the kinds of stuff that she loves. Um, you know, big fantasy and sci-fi shows, but also very character-driven shows. Um, so that's uh, our live Zoom Q&A, it's on Sunday with Jenny Klein. Paid subscribers get to show up and ask the questions, and Jenny will answer them. And it's always really instructive and really inspiring, too. I've loved doing these Q&As. Um, if you become a paid subscriber on the Substack, you will get access not just to all upcoming live Zoom Q&As, but you can listen to all of the past ones. And they've been great. It's been with folks like Akela Cooper and Jane Espenson uh, and Javi Grio Markswatch and Jose Molina. Like, it's just been an all-star lineup of amazing conversations and terrific advice. Once again, for that, to become a paid subscriber and to support this podcast, if it means anything to you, uh, go over to substack, uh, benblacker.substack.com. Uh, I thank you so much for that. Um, a lot of work goes into both the podcast and the newsletter, and your support really means a lot. Okay, here's my conversation with Lindsay Anderson Beer. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah! All right, that's it. We're doing it. This is how a podcast starts. Lindsay Beer, thanks for being here, um, and congrats on the release of Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. 
How are you feeling right now? I'm feeling so good. We're streaming number one on Paramount Plus, and I couldn't be more excited about that. That's great. Um, so I wanted to ask you about like finding your way into this movie. Um, you are the co-writer and the director of the movie. And did did this start with you? Was this something that like you you pitched on? How did how did it start to take shape? Yeah, no, it it did not start with me. It started with Jeff Bueller and Lorenzo de Bonaventura and Mark Veradian, who had worked together on a 2019 film. And Timmy Baderman was Jeff's favorite part of the book. And he felt like it made for a really great prequel. And off the success of their 2019 film, they felt like they uh, had a great point of view to do a, a prequel that had never from a chapter that had never been told before. So they started working on that. And at the time that they needed a director um, just kind of coincided with a time in my life where I knew that I was done writing and wanted to only write direct going forward, which had been my intention actually coming out here, but was not something that I found easy to accomplish. But I had a great relationship with Mark and Lorenzo from working on the Transformers franchise with them. So Mark gave me a call knowing that I was actively reading scripts to try to find something to direct. And he said, would you ever be interested in Pet Cemetery?" And I said, are you fucking kidding me? That was my favorite Stephen King book growing up. And he said, well, we've got this script from, from Jeff Bueller. And he sent it over. I read it immediately. I called him in an hour. He reminded me at um, Fantastic Fest during our Q&A. He, he brought up the fact that I sent them a new outline like a few hours later. <laughs> the job wasn't even mine yet. I was still competing against other directors and I sent them a new outline, um, uh, which I think told me a lot about why this was the right project for me because I immediately had so many ideas. So the idea was that I, I was hired to rewrite and direct. And from there, um, uh, I was the sole writer on the project. And a lot of you know Jeff's core ideas remained in terms of this is a, a Timmy Baderman origin story. We see some of the 1600s. There's an investigation element. We see more of the town there are story pillars that completely come from Jeff's brain. And then the actual kind of scene to scene work and dialogue and characters changed a lot through my drafts. I, it was the most intense writing thing I've ever done. I was hired in March, 2021. I started turning around about two drafts a week and we got greenlit in May and we were shooting in July. So it was, wildly fast and i was continuing to rewrite through production which and post which is you know i didn't really think about at the time in terms of what i was getting myself into because you have exhausting crazy days and then the person who has to go home and write the things that change because of what you saw that's that's me <laughs> so yeah but it was it was really crazy, but very, very fun and rewarding. Let, let's step back a little bit and talk about when you first received that script, you know, other than being enthusiastic about it because you were a fan of this property and and obviously had like things to say about it and responded to the script. What did that new outline that you sent them entail? A lot of it was about because. Jeff's script was very much a, um, it was a really fun slasher movie. Uh, and 
Timmy and Bill were very much bad guys, and uh, and and there were some townspeople that um, were involved in in the fight that ended up just in kind of a burning house at, at the end, and and I wanted to kind of take a step back and make sure that it felt more like the tone of the book and which is you know it's a character drama first and a horror movie second and also just this notion uh had stuck in my head of um the that uh pet cemetery is about our war against death and that if this is a movie where we've got a, a kid coming back from war and being resurrected that this should be Judd's war and that the, the kind of the structure and the tempo of it needed to feel a lot more like war and we needed to go much bigger places. And um, so there was a lot of that in my outline and then just restructuring of, of relationships and recharacterizations and uh, you know, Donna uh, Manny's sister was not somebody who existed in, in his drafts. Um, and I felt like, this was something I brought up in our very first meeting was that if I was going to take this on, it was very important to re-examine the franchise's relationship to the indigenous community. So that element was something that I, I brought up in that first outline and in our first discussions. And then just kind of this idea of this conspiracy and this pact and these, these founding families and this original sin of the settler Ludlow um, was all also stuff that I had added. Oh, interesting. It was, yeah, I couldn't remember if that history was drawn from the book or if that was invention. That was, that was invention other than the fact that the, those characters like Hannibal Benson and Marjorie are mentioned in the book. And there's, and there, there, there is a sense that, people know things in the town, you know, there are things that are just kind of hinted at in the book, the threads that I just kept pulling on thinking, well, what does this mean? And what could that mean? And the end of the book says that Judd is the guardian of the woods, which suggests to me that there is this greater mantle. And I started working backwards from there. And my, my memory of, of Judd from the book and from the movies is really him sitting on a porch and smoking, drinking. So I, I worked backwards from there and just had this notion of, okay, well, what if his father was doing that and his father's father was doing that and his father's father was doing that, but what were they sitting, what, what if they were actually sitting on the porch keeping watch for something? I love that. It's a great idea. And it's also really like, it must be a clarifying way to enter into a story knowing what your ending is. Yes, exactly. But also knowing that you want to make this guy sitting on a porch smoking a cigarette a hero. Right. Uh, I think that's a really interesting thing. Were there, what were the challenges involved in like churning out these drafts? Well, obviously the time, the timing of it all was, uh, was a huge challenge. And then just trying to service the characters, the, there are a lot of characters trying to make sure that they each had their own purpose and, and, and meaning in the story was something that I was always striving for. And then, and then making it that mishmash of tones. So it, it felt very Pet Cemetery because, you know, Pet Cemetery, the book, and by the way, I, I can, I, I'm sure this movie started as a prequel to the 2019 movie, given the people involved. But when I came aboard, I just kept thinking about it as a prequel to the book. And um, so, yeah, I just, I, 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 I just kept 
rereading the book and and about how, how how I could pull at threads of mythology to tell to answer the questions that I wanted to answer when I was younger. What a what a horrible place to live in for that month that you're rewriting. <laughs> yeah. Is there something I was thinking about this while I was watching the movie because it does feel like it feels like a prequel to all of the versions of Pet Cemetery that we know and have seen. Is there are there tropes to Pet Cemetery? I mean, I think you hit on the theme, which I think is really smart. But as a director, is there stuff that like other than a tone? Is there are there you know totems of Pet Cemetery? Is there a feel to Pet Cemetery that's different from other franchises or other horror films? I, I mean, I, I do think it goes, I think that the tone specifically is very important in terms of mix of drama, scares, a lot of tension and, and some gore versus, you know, scares all over the place. And then that hint of dark comedy that that is in the book and, and that I think that particularly the 89 version of the movie, I think, gets. But beyond that, uh, some undead pets, uh, <laughs> undead child. <laughs> um, the iconography of spirals, I think, is very important and is something that if you watch the movie a second time, you'll see there are a lot of circles, a lot of spirals in, in the production design and, and the cinematography. Um, but for me, the 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 North Star is always kind of the, the theme and the soul of something you're adapting. And that is that moral question that in, for in this instance, the what would you what would you do if you could bring back somebody you love? Is there a difference between writing knowing that you're going to direct something and writing for, you know, a studio or for a different director? There is. Uh, for me, for me personally, because I've always wanted to direct and because I have a lot of, I have a lot of opinions on <laughs> every, every little detail of the movie. Um, when I know I'm directing, I feel just much more free to put in all of those details. Whereas previously, if I'm writing for something, you know, for instance, that doesn't have a director, I've been asked to strip some of that out because it can be alienating to to a director coming aboard who's like, no, let's leave room for my vision. Um, or if I'm specifically writing for a director, I know that I shouldn't say those things because that will be overstepping and that's their opinion. That's It's interesting. Like I would have assumed it's the other way where like I, I'm, you know, taking, dipping a toe into directing right now and, and writing the stuff that I know I'm going to direct leaves it a lot sparer because I know I'm going to fill in the gaps later. For, for sure. I think there are a lot of, there are a lot of writer directors who do do that. For me, it's much more helpful to every department to have a, a very detailed blueprint so that they understand, you know, screenwriting 101, people will tell you, don't put in a script what isn't on screen. And I think that's absolutely bullshit. You know, it, it helps it helps any any actor you have understand a character's motivation. If you have something about the psychology or what they're feeling in the moment, um, I write in a lot of cinematography, like very specific, 
especially because there is so much shit that happens between the time you write something and the time you're shooting it. You might not even remember what you like the specific way you intended to shoot that scene as you were writing it. So for me, it's just a helpful tool to get every department on the same page um, and, and, and see the bigger picture. That makes a lot of sense. It's a, yeah, it becomes a really practical approach. So what does your, what does your writing day look like? I mean, when you're turning around, drafts on this thing, you know, multiple drafts per week over the course of a month and a half. Like what, what does your life look like? Oh, during that period, my life looked like nothing but hunched over 24 seven. I was sleeping like three hours. Uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was an intense period. Left to your own devices. What does your writing process look like? Left to my own devices, I like to write for the first half of the day. And then the rest of the day, I'm either doing stuff for my production company or um, uh, other things that aren't just writing. But I, I like, I like to not work on one thing all day long because I help, I feel it, it helps me have perspective if I can work on multiple things and then come back to it with fresh eyes. Um, and what is that? um like outlining process and and all of that how how you know what does the ideation period look like for you i like to think about the major turns in a story you know i really like to know the for myself who are the main characters what is their their dynamic what makes these people the worst and best people to be going on this journey together um there's a lot i figure out in terms of where the story's going just the main turns but in terms of those smaller moments i like to save those for the page and save those for kind of surprises because i feel like even the like you can try to plan for those things but it's never going to be as good as what comes out when you're actually super involved in the draft and writing at least for me how how detailed is your outline or how detailed is like are these plot turns or is it about, you know, waiting to see? It depends project to project. If I'm writing something on spec without, you know, a studio involved and it's just for me, it's, it's a two page outline. It's not a, it's not a, a long thing. If it's a, it's a open writing directing assignment and there's already a studio involved who needs to sign off on a story it's more like a, a seven to ten page outline yeah that makes sense um and then you write in the first half of the day what what time does that start i wake up at 3 a.m every day no i wake up at 3 a.m every day i do a lot of like reading about science and just kind of uh continue my self-education as a human being and then i start i start writing around five or six a.m usually and and for how long um usually until about noon and then i'm done for the day all right that that see that part seems reasonable this is (laughs) this this seems awful um (laughs) i don't know how you're doing this what time do you go to sleep like 10. Oh, that's too late. I don't know what's happening. I don't know how you're awake right now. Um, what is, uh, so Lindsay, what, what is your deal? Uh, where, where did you come from? The factory <laughs> or <laughs> it makes robots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what was the writing that you did to sort of get you to this place? What did like the last five years or yeah, six years? Yeah. Um, it's, you? it's been 
very much all over the place in terms of genres. I came out here with some very dark sci-fi and fantasy specs and a producer read one of them and said, if you make this kind of less Guillermo del Toro and more kind of Tim Burton, maybe Tim like Disney would want this. So I, I rewrote that and we submitted it to Disney who did not want it, but, <laughs> but they did want me to write this other project for them. Um, so that got me this, my, my first real studio job writing a Disney thing. And off of that, uh, Warner Brothers was looking for somebody to write also another big fantasy adventure thing. And so that led to that. And then I was put in this Transformers writer's room when they were trying to uh, crack the kind of future of the franchise. It wasn't for one particular film. It was more like, let's reimagine what the franchise could be going forward. Because at the time, Michael Bay was supposed to be stepping off directing. It turns out that he was not. Um, But that was really my uh, entry point into much larger action and sci-fi franchises. And so I worked on a bunch of stuff from Godzilla versus Kong and Pacific Rim 2 and um, just stuff where they needed help kind of cracking franchises. And then from there, I can't even name the number of things I've worked on, but the most recent things that triangulated was I, I was put in this Tarantino um, uh, writer's room for a Star Trek thing that he was going to write. And that ended up not coming to fruition, but I developed a good thing with bad robot off of that. So when they were looking for a writer for star Trek four, that that's still, you know, being developed, they brought me in to do that. So I was working on that right as, uh, uh, they were also looking for a director for pet cemetery. So I had, I was had a good thing with paramount, and that was also part of how I ended up with Pet Cemetery. Oh, that makes sense. That's really interesting. Is are these? Um, I mean, these are big sci-fi worlds. Um, is this? Is this? You know, in line with what you're into, is this why you got into this business? <laughs> what was the stuff you loved growing up, and then how does it translate to these? opportunities yes and no i i was not expecting to have a career in big franchises at all i love science i studied neuroscience and robotics in college and i've always loved sci-fi i've always loved horror i've always um kind of been more of a, a genre kind of action person when i was growing up though i I really admired the character, the careers of people like Tarantino and Darren Aronofsky and um, people with much smaller, very specific (laughs) points of view. And so I, I a hundred percent thought I was coming here to, to have a, a a very dark, a (laughs) tour, more indie career. Is that, let me, let me stop you there for a sec. Um, Is that the kind of script that it, it got you initial attention? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Can you tell me anything about that? Like, that seems like it was a magic script for you that started to open doors. It was, um, it was about, uh, <laughs> um, it was about a, a father who, uh, well, just in case it comes back to back around at some point, I won't give away the spoilers, but 
Um, it, <laughs> it was about a, a computer scientist who whose daughter dies and he resurrects her as kind of an undead cyborg. Um, but there's a, <laughs> there, there's a, there's a twisty turn to it in terms of what happened before and what happened after. Um, and, and is this the one that started to get you attention and where does this fall in like the scripts that you had written at that point? Yeah, that was the one that started to get me attention. That was the one that, you know, they said, well, maybe we could make this more kind of like Edward Scissorhands and Burtony. Um, and at the time that was pretty much in line with the stuff I had written. I, I, I had written this survivalist, um, uh, fantasy drama that reimagined like a, everybody dying from a hurricane as like a, a, a fantasy, not quite adventure, but I, my, <laughs> it, it was, uh, I, I, I don't know. I was going through some shit, I guess. Um, but but from there, yes, um, it was it was really honestly for the Transformers room. I was in a general meeting with Akiva Goldsman, and he happened to be putting together the Transformers room at the time. And my uh, uh, college background came up, so when he heard that I had studied robotics, he said, "Oh my God, would you ever be interested in a Transformers movie?" So it was really just that scientific background that got me into that. But um, then it just kind of leapfrogged from there. I don't know. I can't really quite explain it. <laughs> well, and and that feels like so many of our careers. I can't explain it. It just kept happening to me. <laughs> I can't explain it. I don't know. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, having this neuroscience and robotics background, was writing always a part of it? And at what point did screenwriting become part of it? And how did you even learn to do it? Yeah, well, what's really, really sad and telling is that growing up, I always wanted to be a director and I separately wanted to be a novelist. I did not know that screenwriting existed because we are invisible people um, who do so much work. And it really wasn't until I don't even know, maybe college that I realized that screenwriting was a real profession. Maybe it was high school, I'm not sure. Um, but I, I still, the, the goal was writing, directing, and um, in terms of teaching myself screenwriting, I went online and just started reading all of my favorite scripts, and I read a bunch of screenwriting books, and I took some filmmaking classes, and um, it was really just a process of self-education. And it sounds like, too, like knowing from a young age what directing was or having some some idea of it like you must have watched a lot of movies and internalized so much of that storytelling yes yes oh for sure i yeah I, and I, I was gonna say that too which is when you love when you love film and when you love i love books too i, I read so much as a kid I, I feel like you just become a sponge and you you learn you don't even realize you're learning but you learn so much through that was there stuff on this first directing job that i mean so much of it must have been surprising i'm you've been on sets before but like now now you're the boss um tell me tell me what i need to know tell me the things you wish you had known going in i think i think something that that um a lot of people don't think about when they when they go on set is that yes you are the boss and that that 
doesn't mean that you just boss people around and are mean to them. (laughs) It also means that your job is keeping them energized and enthusiastic and inspired. And that sometimes is very different from what you actually want to say to people when they aren't doing their best job. So um, I, I think it's just really incredibly important to remember that these are human beings that you're working with and to treat people like human beings. I think that is some great advice. Um, Pet Cemetery Bloodlines is available right now over on Paramount+. Plus. Um, do you know what's next for you? You must be working on a million things. And when did you when did you wrap this movie? Like when did you wrap post production on it? Yeah, so that that's been the hard part. So I wrapped uh, December twenty fourth. Yes, I was working until Christmas Eve of of, of last year. That's the that was the last day in the DI for me. Um, and uh, and then we they were basically debating between counter programming in the spring or waiting till spooky season when it really was for the best and. And then they decided that they, you know, October, it just had to be October, which I completely agree with. And I'm glad that they picked this date, but it was, it was hard to wait that, that long. And, and have you been, you know, getting stuff off the ground in the meantime, are you being pulled back into like transformers rooms and things like that? No, I've been working. So I'm, I'm writing and directing sleepy hollow for paramount. So I was working, I was working on that. Um, and and then in addition to that, I have this production company through Paramount um, that, and, and so just helping get those those projects as a producer off the ground and overseeing other people in their drafts. Awesome. That's, that's, it feels like a lot of exciting work and it feels like it's in line with the kinds of things you want to be doing. Yeah, for sure. I feel like, you know, uh, it's always a journey from um, what you're allowed to do versus <laughs> versus what you want to do and and then you and then you earn enough goodwill and trust to hopefully um, be able to pursue the things you want to do absolutely um we'll end as we always do by asking you what you are watching these days are there movies is there tv are there books that you want to recommend uh, that's getting stuff that's getting you excited or inspired i mean it, that's it's such a good question i have because there are no actors to promote our movie i have been doing nothing but promotion and press. <laughs> so i i i am the worst person to ask that question um but the and and also before then i was so in a hole in ludlow but i mean things that obvious things that have been out for a while that I love are, are, are severance. I thought was um, absolutely amazing. Um, on the film side, Oppenheimer just like blew my fucking mind. Um, what, what is the case for Oppenheimer? I have not seen it. Uh, I am lukewarm on Nolan. Um, it looks very pretty, but, but why should I go see it? <laughs> and I like movies. I like movies now. I, well, for me, it is the intersection of all things I love. Like I am, I am, I love science. I love the history of science. I love um, intense character studies. I love things that are well shot. You combine all those things and I was just riveted. (laughs) (laughs) That This absolutely makes sense. I totally get it. He made this movie for you. (laughs) He made it for me and nobody else, but thank you. (laughs) I love that. Um, Lindsay, thanks so much for chatting. Come back anytime. Thank you so much.